we are joined on air by Megan Whelan, who is um, the wonderful, wonderful lass who gave this year's suffrage lecture titled, um, very aptly for our show actually, On Paper, On Air, Online, Women in the Media. How are you, Megan? I'm good, thank you. Oh, thanks for coming on and joining us on the show. So for the, uh, the listeners out here who don't know, do you want to ex- explain a bit kind of behind the, the purpose and role of the, the suffrage lectures? Yeah, so it's done every year by the um, uh, Gender Studies and Sociology and a bunch of different departments. Last year it was Louise Nicholas, a couple of years ago it was the former Solicitor General, um, uh, Margaret Wilson, and um, it, it's, you know, talking about things to do with women and things to do with suffrage. And in my particular case, I wanted to look at sort of how far we've come in the media in the 123 years since, since suffrage. Yeah, New Zealand definitely has such a strong tie to the suffrage movement, particularly because we were, yeah, the first country to give um, women the vote all the way back in the 1800s, which is really, really neat. The first country where women won the vote. I, I yes. like to talk about yes, it that I way like rather that, than actually. saying we gave the vote. Women won the vote. Women fought long and hard for it, and we should celebrate that fact as well. It's not just that, you know, they um, they gave it to us. We fought hard for it. The Prime Minister at the time, Richard Zedden, didn't want it, um, and, and women had to fight really hard for it. So um, I, I'd like to sort of phrase it that way, yeah. 100%. It's yeah. A, that's a fantastic way to phrase it. Um, yeah. So would you like to, could you share with us some of the, um, I know obviously it was a long, it was a lecture, so there's a lot of information <laughs> in the lecture, but what were, what were are you focusing on in particular? Yeah, so what I wanted to look at is kind of the different ways that women have had a place in the media in, in since suffrage and a, a little bit before. And so I did a lot of research about uh, women who were writing. I mean, journalism is a career that women have often had, and it's sort of this, this idea of... Um, you might, you know, uh, uh, these crusading women who went around and and, um, and became journalists, and they were always sort of described as very independent and um, and and quite glamorous, and it always sounded quite cool. So I wanted to look at it, how they did, and so I, I found one particular, um, a woman called Jessie Mackay who actually wrote for the Otago Witness for a very long time, for most of her life, and she was a poet and a campaigner, she had a lot to do, in fact, with suffrage, she was mates with Kate Shepard, and um, and I looked at a lot of the things she had written over the time, and a lot of the stuff that she wrote, you can almost imagine someone writing now, so she wrote about um, equal pay, for example, and the fact, this was sort of in the 20s, and she wrote about the fact that uh, women, uh, Clark, and the government were getting a, a £1.20 compared to the young men who were getting £2. And she said, well, this seems unfair. You know, if, if women are only getting four-fifths of what men are getting, we don't get charged four-fifths for everything that we buy. Mm-hmm. We don't only do four-fifths of the work that we do. We don't only, um, you know, we, we, we're, not, we're only, not only paying four-fifths of the tax, so why are we only getting paid this much? And, you know, this is an argument that 100 or... You know, 90 years later, we're still we're still having. So I wanted to look at that. I wanted to look at um, the ways that women are talked about in the media. So, for example, um, if you look at a lot of the Olympics coverage, um, you know, women are often described as. Actually, someone gave me a great example that we did on RNZ. In fact, someone talked to me about this after the thing that a woman athlete was uh, was talked about as sobbing openly after when she won her medal. She was sobbing openly and she was very emotional. Mm. Whereas, whereas uh, a man athlete who was doing exactly the same thing was fighting back tears. 
And so even just when you look at the language that we use to describe men and women, um, and you know, women are often referred to as wives or mothers or partners or grandmothers, things like 100%. that, which we never do for men, um, and we don't often do for men. And also just how little we actually talk about women. Um, there's a, a thing called the uh, Global Media Monitoring Project, and they take one day and they look at all of the news stories on a bunch of different platforms over the day. Um, and in 2015, the day they that, uh, they found that um, only seven percent of news stories in New Zealand had women as a central focus. Mm. And you know, within our half, yeah. more than half the no, population, exactly. So, yeah. Um, we were actually, we interviewed Chloe Swarbrick earlier in the show as well, and just towards the end she was telling us about her experience running um, in, this, in this election, and she said, yeah, she's faced a lot of the, the, the attacks on her looks mm. and the, mm. the, the advice, if you could call it, um, that, <laughs> that men, older men give her. And yeah, no, so it's definitely, yeah. there's, a, there's really gendered ways in which we speak about people. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I to use on one of the slides that I had to go along with the talk, I, I had someone call, uh, someone tweeting about Chloe and talking her, um, calling her bossy. And when was the last time you heard a man politician referred to as bossy? And, and, and isn't bossy a good thing in someone who's running for the, to be the mayor? One hundred percent. And I'm, I mean, we want them to be bossy. I'm, I'm interested as well in this sort of. I feel like recently there's been sort of a reclamation of the word boss in terms of girl boss. Like we have, there's, yeah. a, there's a great artist who's being played on the radio a lot at the moment, and she's taken girl boss, and she got that from one of her friends who was using it a lot, who's got her own label. And so I feel like because it has been used against women. I mean, Michelle yes. Obama in particular, angry mm. black woman, is a way that yeah. she's framed often. Mm-hmm. So it's nice and, to and, see. I mean, Beyonce had that whole thing with you know, yeah, I'm yeah. Not bossy, I'm the boss. Yeah. Um, and there's also that there's a, a brilliant thing in, um, in Parks and Rec, and I think use slightly uh, poor language, but there's that there's a scene where she's like, "Am I going to be um, boss bitch or um, bitch boss?" Um, mm. And it's a beautifully way of framing mm. it because if you call someone a boss bitch, that's a very different thing of of, of calling someone bossy. Yeah, um, yeah. So the other thing I looked at as well was looking at um, the way that the media is changing and, and the increased reliance on, I guess, on social media and how we and how we're using social media and how, because of the way that Facebook especially works, but also Twitter, um, women who who speak out are, you know, it can be hard and it can be dangerous and mm-hmm. you know you end up with uh, people saying pretty awful things to you if you if you are an opinionated woman online, but yeah. also just the way we, we're sort of. Um, we're losing a lot of editorial control because of the way that Facebook works. And so I sort of wanted to sort of delve a bit into how that affects women and telling women's stories. Mm, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I also saw you, you posted or you tweeted a, a book that you're reading, The War on Women. And the brave yeah. ones who fight back. Can you tell me a bit about that? It looks so interesting. <laughs> yeah, so that was actually just on the way. I just I happened to have that on the way down. It's by a woman called Sue Lloyd. I think it's Jenkins, and I'm very sorry if I got that wrong. Um, she was a, an ITV. She was a, a journalist um, in the UK, and she's travelled everywhere. She's been everywhere, and I'm about halfway through the book at the moment. And it has all the stuff about female genital mutilation, about um, honour killings. Um, these grandmothers in Argentina whose, whose children were kidnapped during the... Um, the political crises in, in Argentina and fighting to get back their children and their grandchildren who were forcibly adopted. Uh, all these stories about sex trafficking and, and just this 
horrendous, horrendous stories about women in, um, in other parts of the world. Although I've, I worked for Radio New Zealand International, which is a Pacific service for a long time, mm. and some of the statistics for women in that particular region are also awful. And it made me both very glad to be a woman in New Zealand who um, does not have to face most of these things, uh, and also very guilty about being you know, how lucky I am. Mm. Yeah, okay, well, that's just definitely going on the reading list. Yes, it's definitely worth reading. Um, so could you, I mean, obviously we've, we've, we've highlighted it already, but what in particular do you feel like, what ways can people engage in with suffrage in the present day? Well, I mean, if you, one of the things you can look at is that, you know, the, the New Zealand House of Representatives, our, our parliament is still only about 30% women. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be slight, slightly higher than that now. And, I mean, you know, women make up 51% of the population. So why do we only have that kind of level of representation? I mean, we, we're having local government elections right now. And yeah. God, I'm not going to tell anyone who to vote for by any stretch of the imagination. But look at who's standing. Look at um, uh, the people that are standing and and what qualifications they have and how people are talking about them and how people are questioning their policies. You know, are you questioning their policies or are you looking at their appearance, for Mm -hmm. example? And so I think, you know, that's a a really important thing to to think about. And, you know, when you look at the media that you look at, how are you looking at it? And one of the things I talked about with, with the Facebook stuff is... Because so many of us are reliant, and the younger you are, the, the more likely this is to be, are reliant on Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat for, for your news, for your actual news. The way you get so much of that is based on who you're friends with and who you follow. And so how do you engage with that? How do you, how, you know, do you follow and are you friends with people who believe in different things that you believe? Mm-hmm. And so are you getting a range of views or are, is everything that you're seeing um, shoring up your own views because journalism should challenge your views. It should make you think about things and it should show you the world as it is, not as you would like to be or as your nice little bubble of your friends think it is. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, it's, um, I think that, like, we're very good now at sort of not stepping out of our comfort zone and I think a lot more of us need to. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, that is a definite problem with those logarithms and finding yourself in a little bubble. Um, mm. And although I also, the last election in 2014, who were genuinely astounded at the at the election results. Oh uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and I thought at the time, I was like, did you look at a poll? Did you did you listen to a radio? You know, did you listen to Morning Report or? or I mean, it's happening uh, increasingly frequently. And, yeah, and think gosh, what, you know, this isn't what just me and my friends think. There's a whole country of people who have very different views to me. And um, if you're reliant on the people who share things into your newsfeed and who share things into your um, Twitter feed, you need to be making sure that you're getting a range of voices. Mm-hmm. I think also even just to reflect the level of um, of the need to get a, a minoritised voice out there, if you belong to a small group, I feel like you can feel quite safe and that your your message is getting across or that people think the same way that you do and you think that that's quite um, a broad understanding and it really might not be. So if you're in a position to do something about that and spread um, or to, to champion your views, maybe you should be getting out there more to do that because it's not as available as you think it is. 
absolutely. And I mean, if you know, and and I mean, the thing we can all do is amplify the voices of people mm, who don't yeah. have the same platform yeah. we have. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I mean, I you know, I know people that will go for an entire day and they will only they will only retweet African American women, for example, mm. or, or something along those lines. And, and you know, we can that we all have that power. And I think the amazing thing about social media. And, and, you know, I was quite critical of it in my speech. But the amazing thing about it is that it really has given a huge amount of power to the audience. Yeah. So if everyone tells us, I mean, the media knows so much now what people are clicking on. We know what people are clicking on. We know what they're reading. We know how long they stay on a story. We know where they came from, how they got to our site, how they, and, and where they go when they leave often. And so, you know, if, if you don't want the stories about Brangelina, for example, to use an example from today, yeah. don't click on them, don't yeah. comment on them, don't like them, don't read them, don't share them. Um, because the fewer people that actually click on them, the, the less likely it is that the media is going to cover that story. Yeah. Um, and so the, the audience really massively has huge power now, which is, which is a great thing. Yeah. So we should use that for our good. Thank you so much for coming on to the, for chatting with us on the show today, Megan. No worries. I feel like that was super informative and hopefully, um, I feel like lots of our interviews today have been really timely for the fact that local body elections are coming up.